about the power of prayer. We're going to look at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. I want to ask you a question, maybe a couple of questions here. If you could change one person's life, if I could show you how to change one person's life, would you be interested? You would, wouldn't you? Because we're made in God's image and we actually have a heart to actually to help and to have an impact on the world. I told you that you could change this city. You could change Dublin. Would you be interested? Well, you really would. If I told you you could change the world, would you be interested? Well, yeah. Because we all harbor seeds of greatness in us. We, 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 we want to be great. We want to do great things. We want to achieve great things. <clears throat> and you see, it's possible for us to do great things, for us to achieve great things. But, you, <clears throat> you know, for you and I, achieving great things is going to come from obeying the Word of God. And when it comes to obeying the Word of God, there's an area that we can so easily miss. Now, it's not that you don't know about this area. It's not that you all know about prayer. It's not that you don't know prayer is the area that can change things. But isn't it amazing that that's the area so often in our lives that just gets kind of knocked out? That we end up, yeah, we pray because we're Christians, but sometimes we pray little. And sometimes we, we, we kind of question, well, is it very effective? Does, does it change anything? You know, we can very easily get off as far as prayer is concerned. Well, I'll talk to you about intercession, though. Praying for others. Right? Praying for the needs of others. Ian Bounds said this, one of the great <clears throat> preachers of old, and he, was, uh, he has several books on prayer, but he said this, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not a new organization or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. Now, he would include women in that as well. People of prayer, people that are mighty in prayer. You see, God never meant for us to actually do the changing of the world. He wants to do the changing of the world through us. But our access to him is going to be through prayer. And one of, if not the most important things that you and I are going to do is we're going to pray. I mean, there's no doubt because what we can't do, he can do. But it's easy for us to get sidetracked. It's easy for us to come to the place where, yeah, we're praying, but... You know, we're not praying a whole lot, and maybe we were praying more before, but we're praying less now. And, you know, <clears throat> really what's happened for us is we've come to the place where we're not sure how effective it is. Do you know, I'm convinced that when the church prays, when life gave praise, great things happen. I honestly think, I think you could trace the history uh, of the church, and you could see great things happening, and... You know, we would be inclined to look at, well, we did this at this point, or we did that at that point, and that's how those things happened. And God would look at it and say, no, you don't get it. This person was praying at that point. That's how that happened. You know, when I got saved, um, 
uh, I remember telling the, the, this lady, I've told you the story before, I remember telling this lady that I'd gotten saved, because I knew she, she tried to witness to me, and I kind of brushed it off. And But she produced this uh, little tag, uh, had, had the vegman, I delivered vegetables to her, and, had, <clears throat> and she produced this little tag, and she had had that, and she had been praying for that for years, that I would get saved. And you know, nothing really happens in the spiritual realm apart from prayer. Nothing. Apart from somebody getting to grips with God in prayer, nothing happens. And the thing about it is, it's open to all of us. Jesus tore the veil in two and said, come on in. Come in and talk. It's open to all of us. And if we would realize how we best spend our time, we would very often pick doing something. But you know what? The best use of our time would well, could well be praying in most instances. And if we don't pray, <clears throat> you know what? It doesn't happen. Somebody said, there's a lot you can do after you pray, but until you pray, there's nothing that you can do. We need to be a people of prayer. All right, Luke 11. We're going to start at verse 5, and we're going to read <clears throat> down to verse 13. And he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking, they've asked him to teach them to pray, and he's given them the Lord's Prayer, and and, and now he's giving them the the how-to, I suppose, uh, of prayer. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. And let me just give that, that word importunity means persistence, means a refusal to quit because of his importunity. Now, it's in the passage. And Jesus actually tells a, uh, another story, the story of the widow, and he uses the same idea, importunity. So we have to catch that idea. It's actually there in it. We'll talk about it uh, in a moment, right? Verse 9, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given. You seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? The answer to all those is obviously no. And then he says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And the Holy Spirit there is in this context the power of the Holy Spirit. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Do you know that God is waiting for us to ask? so that he can give. Now, sometimes in your economy of things, you want him to give without you asking. And sometimes he's so gracious that he does. But do you know there's a lot you can't have if you don't ask? There's a lot of things that might happen if you and I would ask. Several passages say that God sought for a man to stand in the gap. And when he found none, he delivered judgment. In other words, that God would have actually taking, taken an averted judgment if he had found somebody who would stand in the gap, who would pray, who would say, Lord, uh, <clears throat> please don't. Do you know that God wants to do a great work in our world today? 
I mean, he's committed to it. He's committed to it with blood. But, you know, somehow, one of the areas that he wants us to actually get involved with him in is this area of prayer. And it doesn't happen apart from us praying. It doesn't come down apart from us praying. So, you know what? <clears throat> We'd have a look here, and Lord willing, some of you will decide in your hearts, you know what? I'm going to start crying out to God. I'm going to start crying out to God for others' needs, not just for your own needs, but for others' needs. Let's pray. Father, would you bless us this morning? Thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement to come to you in prayer. Now, Lord, would you bless us and help us to lay hold upon truth that we might be those intercessors that cry out to you and see great things happen. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right. First of all, we see an urgent need. Luke 11, verse 6 says, For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. All right, so the culture of the day. This man uh, has a visitor come to him at night. Uh, He arrives at his house late. He was unannounced. And he is terribly embarrassed because he has nothing to give him. This friend has come and he has nothing to give him. And it's not like, you know, he can just say, well, it's his own tough look. Uh, He'll just have to wait till morning till until I can go and get more bread. No, uh, he can't do that in himself. There's an urgent need. There is a need. He needs bread and he needs it now. The morning won't do. It has to be now. And um, he has an urgent need that he's dealing with. Do we have any urgent needs around us? that need to be dealt with, that we can't deal with? Any problems around us that we can't actually help, we can't actually fix, but they need fixing? What, what about the, the issue of souls? What about the issue of the lost all around us? Isn't it very easy for us to come to the place with the lost where we kind of give up? Now, in, in a sense, that's reasonable. Because the truth and the reality is, you and I can't save anyone. But they do need saving. You, you and I in ourselves can't reach people. But they need to be reached. You see, we've got about 7 billion people on our planet today. Do you realize that 55 million per year die? Well, we're here in this service now in about an hour. 6,000 people all over this world will pass into eternity. They will close their eyes for the last time and they'll pass into eternity. The chance for them to be saved if they're not being saved is gone then. They've just passed from this life into the next life. Jesus said this. He said, say not you that are yet four months and then come with the harvest. Look on the fields. They are white already unto harvest. We need to understand there are people around us today that need to be saved. Now, I get it. I understand. You know, some of them you've talked to, you've spoken to, and they've just brushed you off. Just like I did with that lady. Just like probably you did with some other people. And you know, that's not the end of it though. There's prayer. There's prayer. There's coming and asking God for it. You see, we live in a world that, if it's possible, knows less and less about God and has less and less understanding of the fact that they're going to stand before a holy God. There's there's an urgent need around us. There's a whole other group of people who who are Christians and think they're saved, but they're they're not. Um, Um, I'm talking about nominal Christians, people who, uh, if you ask them are they Christians, they would say they are, um, but, but they're not saved because they, they, they've never come to the place of trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. And then there are brethren who are away from the Lord and living like the world, and, 
and um, just bringing shame on his name. Now, I can't fix that. You can't fix that. But I can't pray about that. I was thinking about this yesterday. I started praying about a list of people that used to be here in the church and are not anymore. And it's not very easy for us to kind of resign and say, well, what can we do? They had their chance. You know what? There's a God in heaven who hears and answers prayer. But you know, if you and I don't pray for them, who will? If you and I don't take it on board and, and um, <clears throat> go to battle for them as far as prayer is concerned, who is going to? Aren't you glad somebody prayed for your salvation? I'm, I'm so glad that lady was praying for my salvation. I really am. Because, you know, <clears throat> when I think of all the rest of the stuff that was going on in my life, that was the one thing that put God front and center in my life. I don't know. There may have been other people, too, that I don't know of. But uh, it was interesting for me. I got to actually hear that that lady had been pr- praying for me. <clears throat> Aren't you so glad that somebody prayed for you? Well, <clears throat> there's a whole bunch of people out there with nobody praying for them. And there's a whole bunch of people out there that you actually know. And, and maybe you've even witnessed to them. Maybe you've spoken to them. But you know what? Don't quit there. Don't give up there. Uh, you can pray for them. And you can maybe avail much more through prayer than you ever could through speaking to them. Crying out to God for them. <clears throat> Let me read you a story. Um, <clears throat> a story told about a man in a large city in Colombia uh, <clears throat> many years ago. He didn't speak Spanish. He rented an apartment and he fasted and prayed for souls for 18 years. He was an intercessor, not a preacher. He died on the mission field. He never had a convert. He only prayed and fasted for 18 years. Now, you know what? That that poor man could be forgiven for thinking, well, nothing happened. I've wasted my time. You and I might look at his life and say, that's a wasted life. But that's not the end of the story. Then the Thompsons and Lewis and Sally Morley felt uh, led to go to that city to start a work. They rented a storefront and prepared to fight hell as they... Uh, did everywhere else they went. That's, that's not uh, the term. That's, they, they meant they, they expected to have to fight against the powers of hell uh, to see a church established uh, in that town. Uh, instead, a great revival broke out. They later found out about the man that had recently died there after 18 years of intercession. He had lived on the same block. He was not a failure. He was a great success. Why? Because he prayed. Now here's one of the things about praying that doesn't appeal to us very much. We all kind of like the limelight. We all kind of like to be the one that kind of gets the credit for for what goes on. Intercessors don't get the credit for what goes on at all. But here's what I think. I think that when we go to heaven, when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be a whole lot of people that are unknown down here that nobody's ever heard of. And we say, who is that? And uh, they're unknown down here, but they're very well known in heaven because they prayed. They're very well known. And so many of the things that we think happened because we or somebody else did something, we're going to find actually the power behind that was that somebody prayed. Listen, prayer is one of the most important things that you and I can do. You see, you might not be the greatest witness. You might not be the most personal personable person but you can pray 
can't you? You and I can pray. We can cry out to God in prayer. Now, second point is this, his, his heart of love. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, right? <clears throat> because uh, his neighbor has come. Uh, he had a willing heart. He's going to him at midnight. W- what do you like doing at midnight? I like sleeping at midnight myself, right? <clears throat> That's a good time for me as far as sleeping is concerned. And if you're not sleeping, uh, you probably don't want to be going out. Um, that's, that, that, that's not normally the best time for us to go out. You, know, you want to be home. You want to be relaxing. You want to be uh, <clears throat> taking it easy when it comes to midnight. But this friend comes to him, and he, he comes to stay, and, and, and he can't just shrug it off and say no. Uh, he goes out into the night to beg for bread for him. He goes out into the night because he loves this man. He loves this family, whoever they are. He didn't say it's not my problem. Now, I think sometimes we do that when it comes to the people around us, don't we? Sometimes we look at the people around us and we say, well, you know what? Not my problem. They can get saved if they want to. I've told them. I gave them a track last, uh, last year. And, uh, and we can just kind of say it's not my problem. We, we, we can shrug it off. Like, <clears throat> because we're busy. Um, this man sacrificed a night's sleep to go and beg bread for his friends. He gave up a night's sleep. He said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes uh, to feed uh, my friend. <clears throat> Andrew Murray says that it's the lack of love that causes so many shortcomings in prayer. Now, think about it. Isn't that true? That very often, listen, we'll do, we love to do. I love to do stuff. You know, it's easy for me to do stuff. It's fun to do stuff. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, you do something, you put it together, and, you, and it happens, and you, you, you feel good about it. You know, I, I like to do stuff. But, you know, <clears throat> so often our hearts don't engage with people to the place where we pray for them, where we cry out to God. We kind of brush off the people around us. You know, they live in their little bubble and we live in our little bubble and we just kind of bounce along in the, in the, in the world together. And we never come to, come to grips with the reality of their needs and their burdens uh, so that we're willing to sacrifice and cry out to God in prayer for them. And prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things more than anything that we do. Uh, Dr. Wilbur Chapman often told of his experience when he was a young man. Uh, he, he went to become the pastor of a church in Philadelphia. After his first sermon, an old man said to him, you're pretty young to be the pastor of this church, but you preach the gospel, and I'm going to help you all I can. And Dr. Chapman thought, here's a crank. But the man continued, I'm going to pray for you uh, that you may have the Holy Spirit's power upon you. Two others have covenanted to join me uh, in prayer for you. Dr. Chapman said, well, I didn't feel so bad when I learned he was going to pray for me. The three became 10, and the 10 became 20, and the 20 became 50, and the 50 became 200, who met before every service to pray that the Holy Spirit might come upon me. I always went into my pulpit feeling that I would have the anointing in answer to their prayers. Of those who had faithfully, and that's to the prayer of those who had faithfully prayed for me, um, it was a joy to preach. The result was that we received 1,100 into our church by conversion in three years, 600 of whom were men, Uh, It was the fruit of the Holy Spirit in answer to prayer. Now think about it. We want great things to happen, don't we? God wants great things to happen. 
We try sometimes. We put our best foot forward and make our best effort and so on. But you know what? We miss so often the most important ingredient. It creeps me about my own life at times. And you're doing something and you're full bore doing it with all your gusto and everything else and it's something spiritual, something for the Lord and then you realize, hold on a minute, how much time have I actually spent bringing this before the Lord? How much time have I actually spent interceding and asking for his hand and his power to come down upon this situation? And so we get results because, you know, wherever there's effort, there's going to be results. But the results are minuscule by comparison to what they could be. If we would pray. If we would cry out to God for people in prayer. Next thing I want you to see is this. Um, This man is powerless and he knows it. Um, Knowing our powerlessness becomes our greatest strength when it drives us to prayer. So he goes, he goes and he says, Listen, I have nothing to set before him. Why does he go and ask and ask and ask and seek and seek and seek and knock and knock and knock? Because he has no option. He knows he can't do it. He knows he can't fix it. He knows he can't provide bread. This friend of his doesn't actually give him bread. The guy's going to go hungry. Uh, he, he knows he can't. He's powerless. When you reckon on your powerlessness... When you end, come to the end of yourself and the end of your own ability to do and to try to do. That's when you start crying out to God. Remember the story about the disciples in the boat in Luke chapter uh, 5? <clears throat> I'm not going to turn there. Uh, but they're in the boat and they fished and toiled all night. And they're, they're about to give up and go home. And Jesus is standing on the beach. And he says, uh, have you caught nothing? And they say, no. And he says, cast on the left side. And they said, well, we've toiled all the night and caught nothing. But anyway, they do it. And the nets are filled so that they were breaking. They were that full. They had to get the other boat to come along and to help them to drag it into the shore. It's a great picture for us there. And the picture is this, you know, <clears throat> I'm powerless so often. All my best abilities and all the best things I can do and all the... Uh, you know, the best effort I can put in, all the best effort you you can put in, ends up producing very little. But when I recognize my powerlessness and I cry out to him and his power steps into the situation, you know what? Things change. Things change. You know, prayer is the power for the church. Prayer is the power for your life. Prayer is the power for ministry. Prayer is the prayer is the power for your family. Prayer is the power. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> five young college students were spending a Sunday in London, so they went to hear the famed C. H. Spurgeon preach. Now, uh, <clears throat> let, let, let me talk to you about Spurgeon. Spurgeon uh, is called the Prince of Preachers, and um, <clears throat> he, he had a church in the 1800s in England, in London, and. They had a regular 5,000 people in attendance. Uh, His church was so packed you had to have a ticket to get into it. And it went on for years. And not only that, but his sermons were reprinted uh, all over the newspapers. And the impact of the man's life uh, upon upon England was just enormous and much further than than England uh, as well. He had a tremendous impact. But these students come uh, to see where he preached. 
While waiting for the doors to open, the students were greeted by a man who asked, Gentlemen, let me show you around. Uh, Would you like to see the heating plant of the church? Well, they were not particularly interested, for it was a hot day in July. But they didn't want to offend the stranger, so they consented. The young men were taken down a stairway. A door uh, was quietly opened, and their guide whispered, That is our heating plant. Surprised, the students saw 700 people bowed in prayer, seeking a blessing on the service. Uh, that was soon to begin in the audit- that was soon to begin in the auditorium above. Softly closing the door, the gentleman then introduced himself. It was none other than Charles Spurgeon. What was he saying? You know where the power comes from? The power comes from these people who pray. The power comes from the people who are touching heaven. The power comes from those people who are actually engaging with God. You see, <clears throat> we have got so much going on and so much that we can do that we often forget. You know what? I can't do anything spiritual. I, I can't save a soul. I can't preach a sermon that has any impact. I, I can't do anything. And you can't do anything spiritual either. It's just not in you. You don't, you don't have that kind of power. And so, 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 so we labor and we labor and we accept small results because we're missing the fact no there's much more power available to us Christianity was never intended to limp along the way it does so often it's intended to be a mighty powerhouse of a, a thing we're the church of the living God he has a work to do to reach the world and, and he wants to do it but do you want the ingredients in him doing that work in a great way His prayer It's for God's people to recognize the power is in him, not in us, and to start crying out to him to do that work. And God answers prayer. The Bible's full of promises of answered prayer. You and I never waste our time in prayer. Unless there's sin between us and him, we never waste our time in prayer. God answers prayer. But so often, we're content to do and to accept small things. And to make ourselves happy with small things when there's much more that we could have. Um, This man's powerless and he knows it. So he goes to somebody who has power. We're powerless. And we know it. We need to go to the one who has power. Secondly, though, or fourthly, uh, he has faith in his friend. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Why does he go out at midnight and knock on this guy's door? And the guy says, listen, go away. My kids are with me in bed. I'm not getting out of bed. I'm not disturbing the whole household. Go away. Come back in the morning. I'll give you all you need in the morning. But just don't, don't think I'm going I'm to open the door right now. Why does he go? Well, he knows some things about this, this man. First of all, he knows he has bread, doesn't he? You know, he's, you know, he's, not, he's not in any doubt about that. He's not asking, do you have any bread? He knows he has bread. He knows he has wherewithal to give, right? Um, and secondly, he knows the nature of this man. That he will not send them away empty-handed if he keeps on asking. And so before he ever went to the door, he's made his mind up. I'm not leaving without the bread. 
I am not going away until I get the bread. I'm going to keep on asking until I get the bread. Now, if I was telling you this off my own back, just, you know, be importunate with God, you'd have reason to say, are you sure that's respectful to God? But it's not me that's telling you. It's God that's telling you. It's Jesus that's telling you. He's telling you to be importunate. He's telling you to come to him and not to quit. Not to give up until you get that which you came for. He's telling you to come to him and to seek and seek and seek and knock and knock and knock and ask and ask and ask until he gives. Now, what's going on there? What is, God, what is Jesus talking to us about the Father here? What's actually the, uh, the deal with this importunity? Doesn't God hear me the first time I ask him? Well, yeah, he does. But he doesn't always answer me, does he? Sometimes he holds out. Now, sometimes he does. Sometimes you can, you, you can ask God for something. And in my experience, it's rare. But you can ask God for something, and just like that, it's there. Sometimes God will say no. And you have no freedom to continue on praying about something. Because you just know you're not getting it. And sometimes he says, not now. And he wants you to engage and to ask him. Now, what kind of things are you supposed to engage with God and ask God about well, not the Mercedes, all right? Don't, 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 don't write that one off the list, right? <clears throat> if God wants to give you a Mercedes, he's well able to give you a Mercedes, but that's probably not the kind of thing he wants you to be importunate about. What does he want you to be importunate about? What does he want you to cry out to him about? What's the most important thing in God's eyes? Is it you having a nice, easy, comfortable life? Obviously not. Is it you having lots of money in the bank? Not that either. What's the most important thing to God? Isn't it the souls of men and women around you? Isn't that what Jesus went to the cross for? To pay the price for them. And you see, you and I feel at a loss. I mean, what do I say to 21st century man, to 21st century woman that's going to make this real? And when you talk to them, sometimes they're kind and they're nice and, you know, they, they look at you like you're a lame brain uh, <clears throat> because, you know, you're just out of your little mind. Uh, <clears throat> but they don't get it. Do you know that they're blind? The enemy has blinded their minds, just like you were before you got saved. The enemy has blinded their minds so they, they can't see. And do you know that you don't have the technical ability to shake them loose of their blindness? But there is one that does. There is one that does. And what you can't achieve by talking, what you can't achieve by words, you can achieve in the prayer closet. You can actually see people open up when you pray for them like you can't imagine. Did you ever do this? Did you ever pray for God to give you opportunities to witness them? And then you look back and you say, good night, you know what? They just came to me. Do you know that God's able to do anything? This man believed that his friend had bread and that he would give it. When you come to prayer, when you come to intercession, you need to believe that God has it and he will give it. Now when it comes to reaching souls, we're, we're, we're down to the Holy Spirit because <clears throat> that's what's needed, his power, his convicting power in our world today. You know, if there's anything <clears throat> that is apparently lacking in our world today, 
isn't it just that? Isn't that the convicting power of the Holy Spirit? You know, when you read the stories of revival and you read of people going to police stations to find out what they have to do to get saved, uh, you read of them showing up at churches when there's no service on, uh, finding out, isn't that the work of the Holy Spirit? Now, you and I can't do that. We can advertise till the cows come home. We can set up programs till the cows come home. But we can't draw people like that out. But you know, in answer to prayer, God can do it. God can do it. So we have to have faith that our Heavenly Father hears and that He will answer. You know, the Bible says that He always gives us when we ask according to His will. And you know, when you're asking for souls, you're asking according to his will. Now, we're not going to talk about it, but you know, every, everybody has a free choice in this thing. But I think God always works. When you pray for souls, God always works in hearts. And they can say no, but God, you know, it gets very ridiculous to say no when the Spirit of God is working in somebody's life. Listen, God works, the Spirit of God works in souls, works in their hearts. <clears throat> um, in answer to prayer, we need to, to, to remember that. C- can God meet the needs around you? Of course he can. Is he your friend? Listen, if you're his child today, he's more than your friend, isn't he? If you're his child, listen, his ear is open to you all the time. Will he answer your prayer? Yes. Look at the promises. If you ask anything according to my will, I will do it. Look at the promises in prayer. You know what you won't find a promise? You won't find a promise that he will do it instantly. But you find a promise that says, yes, he will. Yes, he will do it. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> we need to ask in faith. 18-year-old Hudson Taylor wandered into his father's library and read a gospel tract. He couldn't shake off its message. Finally, now he's 18 years old, he's raised in a Christian home. Finally, falling to his knees, he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Later, his mother, who had been away, returned home. When Hudson told her uh, the good news, she said, I already know. Ten days ago, the very date in which you tell me you read that tract, I spent the entire afternoon in prayer for you until the Lord assured me that my wayward son had been brought into the fold. What's happening there? He had a mother who knows God and knows he hears her and knows he will answer her prayer. And so she goes to prayer and God answers. He's 18 years old. Do you think she'd spent some time in prayer for him before? I guarantee you she had. What she's talking about there is the culmination of it. Do do you think she got weary of praying for Hudson? 18 years old, and he's wayward. He's going his own way and doing his own thing. I think she probably got weary of praying, but she kept on praying. Because she knew her father, and she knew he answered prayer, and she wasn't going to quit. And so one day, God said, you've got it. And Hudson got saved. Now, of course, that's not the end of the story. Hudson Hudson Taylor went to China 
as a missionary, trusted God on his own. But before he was finished, there were a thousand missionaries on the field in China. China's awash in Christianity for all the bad press it gets today. It's awash in an underground church. And you could trace much of it back to Hudson Taylor. And if you did, you'd have to trace it back to a praying mother, wouldn't you? A mother that wouldn't quit. See, when the greats are mentioned in heaven, it's not going to be the big names that we say. See, it's not going to be the people that we look at and think, oh yeah, he did it, she did it, that's amazing. No, it's going to be those little people that we so often don't hear about that just prayed. Because praying brings down God's power. Finally, he is persistent. <clears throat> I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. He knew something about this friend he was going to. He knew, if I keep asking, if I keep knocking on that door, he's going to come down and give me the bread. I don't think he was very surprised when finally the guy came down uh, with the loaves of bread and shoved them in his arms and said, now go away. I don't think he was surprised. Now God doesn't do that to us, right? <clears throat> but he wants you and I to ask and ask and seek and seek and knock and knock and not to quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. See, it's so easy for us to give up just when God would do something. And you say, hang on a minute, I'm not that important in the, in, the, in the situation. No, you're not that important, but you know what? Prayer is that important. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged in prayer. Keep on praying. The problem for us is we get so easily distracted, don't we? We get discouraged. Oh, I've been praying now for a month and it hasn't happened. I've given up. Listen, don't quit until God says, don't pray about this anymore. And he can say that to you. He's entitled to say that to you. But you don't quit until then. Uh, <clears throat> work takes up our attention. and uh, Aren't we so like children sometimes? You know, we're, we're, we're dedicated, we're focused. Man, we're going to do this. We're going <clears> to <throat> be these uh, prayer warriors. And after a while, something comes our way and kind of our minds drift, drift, drift off to it. And we get pleasures get in the way. So many things can get in the way. Sickness gets in the way. <clears throat> Let me read you a story. John Knox, the founder of the Presbyterian Church in Scotland, called to his wife and said, read me that scripture where I first cast my anchor, where he was saved. After he listened to the beautiful prayer of Jesus recorded in John 17, he seemed to forget his weakness. He began to pray, interceding earnestly for his fellow men. He prayed for the ungodly who had thus far rejected the gospel. He pleaded on behalf of people who had been recently converted, and he requested protection for the Lord's servants, many of whom were facing persecution. As Knox prayed, his spirit went home to be with the Lord. The man of whom Queen Mary had said, I fear his prayers more than I do the armies of my enemies, ministered through prayer until the moment of his death. You know what? That's probably not the first thing that comes to your mind that you'd be doing in the moment that you pass out of this world. But what could you do that would be more powerful? What could you do that would be more powerful than pray? 
What legacy could you leave behind you that would be more powerful than the fact that you had to touch the throne for people on this planet? What a great way to go. You know what? <clears throat> I think God has great things for us. But I think the great things God has for us are always going to be in answer to prayer. And I think if we flag and fail and get weary and stop praying, I think we'll miss some of those great things. I honestly do. See, in the year 2000, revival touched this church, and <clears throat> it was powerful. God moved in the church in such a way that there were prayer meetings almost daily. And we were all very happy to be at them because God was there. And exciting things were happening. People were getting saved. The church was growing. All kinds of things were happening in the church in the year 2000. Now, <clears throat> you know, we didn't seek it and we didn't earn it. You know what I think God was doing? I think God was giving us a taste of what he could do. I think God was giving us just a little taste of what he can do. And I think his intention was that he would do much more. But it was going to be an answer to prayer. You know, there is more than likely nothing you or I are going to do on this planet ever that's more important than prayer. Nothing that we're going to do that's going to be more important than the time we spend before the throne interceding for others, pleading for others. Oh, pray for yourself, pray for your own needs by all means. But devote time each day to interceding for others and ask God to send his spirit to do a work in life again. Ask God to bring revival to this church, to this land, to this world. Because it's there. There's power in the throne. There's power to do more in an afternoon than we can do in a lifetime. Let's not miss it. That that power comes always in answer to prayer. Let's stand. Father, thank you, Lord, for your... <clears throat> Word, thank you for this story in Luke. Thank you for this man, Lord, who just wouldn't quit. Lord, would you make us a people of prayer. Lord, would you remake us where we need to be remade as people of prayer. Lord, would you bless each one, Lord. Uh, Lord, would you give us that heart and that passion to intercede for the needs of others, to cry out for a lost and broken world. And, oh, Lord, that we might see Great things happen in our church and in our nation and in our world because, Lord, we know you have the power to do it. And we know, Lord, that you're more than a friend to us. Oh, Lord, we plead with you. Would you just bless us with that heart and that passion to cry out to you and to see you do great things. In Jesus' name, amen.